Happy 4th of July. A four-game sweep on the road by the Miami Marlins, taking down the Washington Nationals. We're going to dig into all of that and all of the UK-friendly starts, too, on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, greetings from England. Happy 4th of July to those over in the U.S. It's an interesting uh, interesting day for us and our U.S.-U.K. Uh, history. Nevertheless, happy 4th of July, guys. Hope everyone is having a great day. Um, no doubt I've been watching watching Terry reversing his, uh, his wheelchair, his electronic wheelchair, multiple times on Twitter. That, that, uh, that meme just gets me uh, every time, no doubt about it. So... It's Monday edition, guys, of Locked On Marlins, and welcome to the show. This is post-game, so we're recording this post-game. And for those of you thinking, Pete, you're not sounding your usual self. That's fair to say. I've been struggling since Thursday. I've been pretty much man down since Thursday. Um, managed to sneak out on Saturday, but pretty much I've been in bed since. I've got this kind of virus or something. My eyes are bloodshot. I basically, just if you think of Diego, for those that aren't watching, you think of Diego Maradona in USA, uh, what, 94, USA 94, run into the camera. Those are my eyes right now. <laughs> the, the reason they're, that, they're like that is completely different, but that's the, uh, that's the effect I've got going. So anyway, guys, to help me get through this, and it does feel a little bit like that today, Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, is joining me. It's Monday. Sean Barrett hops on. Oh, of course, Sean, you've also been struggling as well. How you doing, brother? I'm a little banged up as well, yeah. <laughs> day to day for me um but yeah marlin's sweep that's uh that's always something that uh can help improve your mood that's for sure really was and some fun fun games it's been it's been fun to be a marlin's fan the last you know five six days they've they've pieced a winning streak together um i've got to be honest uh i'll get your take as well now i wasn't that hopeful at the start of today's game it was if you can write down a lineup an 11 a.m road game lineup for any team Using any players, this perhaps would have been the one that you'd have landed on. And Braxton Garrett going as well. So I was not that hopeful. There were similar vibes to a few weeks ago against the Mets that the Marlins ended up walking off to. Which of those lineups, Sean, was better, in your opinion, <laughs> they threw out there? Well, I mean, the, the lineup today was probably one of the, the lighter lineups I've seen in a long time. It reminded me of a, a lineup from a 90 100 loss season in September. It really was sort of, was. Uh, yeah, pieced together. Um, but, you know, got the win, got the series sweep. It's it's those things you can always whinge about and complain about at the time. But ultimately, it's about getting the results. Yeah, for sure. Before we go any further, guys, a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, more about those guys later on. Um, I'm with you. Uh, it was one of those games that, yes, here in Donnie pre-game anyway, it, it felt like it was a bit of a white flag game. He was like, do you know what? A couple of guys on rest, a couple of guys being worked back. Do you know what? We're just going to just lump it all into one game, an 11 a.m. start, and just see what happens. Um, Braxton Garrett had to pitch well for the Marlins to be competitive in this game because it was a light lineup. When you look into the lineup and <laughs> Jacob Stallings is DH'ing, um, there's, been no, there's been no worse DH 
offensively, I'm sure, or by baseball savant metrics anyway, ever probably in the history of baseball because Stallings has been absolutely putrid uh, with the bat this year, no doubt. And actually, it didn't get any better. A couple of loud flyouts, but nevertheless, Stallings was in there. Fortes in the five hole, De La Cruz in the cleanup spot, and then Billy Hamilton, of course, uh, in the nine hole. The manufactured runs, though, did come um, via the bottom of the lineup. And Luke Williams drops the bunt. Uh, tip my cap to Alex Contreras, if you're listening, brother. Uh, dropped the bunt, got it done. Billy Hamilton came in. First sack bunt of the year for the fish on the 4th of July, mate. I mean, next thing is they've got one out, a runner on second, and, uh, you know, looking to do some damage there. So, you know, they found a way to get it done, right? But, you know, Billy Hamilton is starting for the fish now, um, as is Luke Williams, as is Jacob Stallings, DH. And, like, this, the roster construction is very interesting right now. And I was I was very surprised about the Billy Hamilton call-up. I know we haven't spoken on, on air about that. Uh, what would you take about the approach of Billy Hamilton coming up instead of like a Encarnacion or even, uh, I guess, a, a JJ Blade is, you know, maybe a wider shout. But Encarnacion for me felt like the obvious one, but Billy Hamilton was the man. I think the only thing that you can really sort of say as far as why that could be justifiable is that centre field defence. You know, the, the guys that you've just spoken about bringing up instead, they're not going to, they are the corner guys realistically. Bladez played a bit of centre, but I think it's, it'd be the same situation with Sanchez where you're, you're, you're putting him there out of necessity rather than because he's a good centre fielder. But then you say that, and then you had Hamilton in a corner outfielder spot today. Exactly, he was so playing in left field. <laughs> it, it doesn't make. It does seem like the 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 GM is making the decisions in one way, and then the lineups being put, pieced together in a different way. And I think mm. sometimes you do wonder whether they are sort of communicating accurately as for, as far as what their the plans are. But you know, it's it's, it's I can only get so angry about you know. Things like that when we are still winning. I mean, if you like, you said with the lineup, the lineup was a bit shoddy. Garrett, who he's pitched well, don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. there's no depth to, or <laughs> there was no perceived depth as far as expectations from him today. You've got a bullpen that's been, you know, a leveraged end of it anyway, being blown through the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. Everything seemed to be pointing towards, you know, a blown sweep. So to actually, you know, watching the game. And the game sort of pieced together that way as well. It was a close-run game. The Marlins weren't scoring, apart from that early run, weren't scoring any runs. So you're thinking, this is just going to, you know, this is typical Marlins. They're going to end up losing this game in heartbreaking fashion, as it was. They they tried. Um, but no, it's, this series really has been one where it's, yeah, you know, from from a cliff edge, they've managed to get these wins. They really have. They really have, and the way they've done it has been funny. It's been the whole week actually. There's been just over, yeah, just over a week's worth of action, and multiple times, at least I think three, maybe four. Now we're up to it today, where there's been big, big knocks in the ninth or tenth inning um, that has has led to the Marlins winning, which has been great. You're right to call out Braxton Garrett today, mate. He was just sensational, absolutely sensational. No other way to say it. career day for Braxton Garrett. Um, you know, at one point I was just sitting there thinking he's going CG today. Like it just looked obvious that he was going CG. Run into a little bit of uh, trouble in, in in the eighth inning in the end, uh, and they were quite quick with a hook. Actually, he didn't get the Sandy Alcantara treatment. It was a, obviously it was a one nil game. Um, you know, on probably then one one. So that was the end for Garrett. Zach Pop ended up. Oh boy, he created a massive mess. How the how he got out of that mess, I do not know. The bases were juiced with what one out. 
um, and somehow he gets out of that. So that was a massive moment that Pop manages to, to get out. Um, but, you know, offensively, I think the biggest highlight offensively was probably Jess Blaylock over in that condo over the road um, that was kind of a main theme of the broadcast. Jess Blaylock going and asking that guy his name. That was the main offensive, you know, that was that was the, the offensive production we saw for the Marlins. It was, you know, that story seemed to be going on for six innings. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so, you know, it was what it was. But to win that game in that style off the back of yesterday's where they, Pablo had a no-hitter going, then they blew it, then they came back, then it went to extras and they blew it open, which is great to see as well. So wild moments. Um, I'm going to ask you for your key or favorite moments from the Nat series shortly, because there, I think there's a few of them. Like there really was some big, big knocks um, uh, for sure. But before we do that, uh, guys, reminder, this episode, it's brought to you by our friends and our good friends over at Built Bar, and it is Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff season. And from the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift for your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given the Coconut Brownie Chunk the Puffs treatment. Yes, sir. The Puffs are back. That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallowy covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But don't stop drooling and listen. They're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Sounds amazing. If you're liking what you're hearing, get yourselves over to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order. Reminder, LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. All right then, Sean, give it to me then. We've There's multiple real, real high leverage moments in this series. What, what was the one that got your juices flowing the most uh, of everything over this weekend? Well, I'm going to go somewhere completely different, and I want to talk about the fact that we just swept a team, you know, as, as dismissively as you want to talk about the, the Nationals as you want to, mm. uh, without Chisholm yeah. and without Sandy. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these are the guys that have carried us for so long. And now we've got, you know, we've got Anderson back, you know, with the home run. We've got Wendell back with some key knocks. This is a team that now is completely different to the team that we saw Previously, we're, we're, we're starting to sort of feed back into it. We've got guys like Castano, we've got guys like Garrett, who are now starting to really step up. And that, yes, you could look at some of the individual moments and, and the, the way that the series has gone. But for me, I'm already projecting forwards because, yes, a 4-0 four, four sweep of any team is always difficult. But that's kind of where we were as far as wanting from the, the Marlins, you know, you've got to beat the teams like the Nationals, and, and they have done. But now we've got to look forward, and we've got to look forward to the fact that we're playing two, you know, tough teams. The Angels, as bad as their record is, you know, the guys that we're, being, we're going to be playing, there's almost that sort of, like, air of invincibility when you look at guys like Trout and Otani, and then you've got mm. the Mets, which is going to be a huge series. So... I don't want to get too high on on, on whipping on the Nationals, um, even though this should be a day for positivity. It is a day for positivity. We're talking now, as we go into July, about a Marlins team that's still in the hunt. But now is the time that we've really got to look forward, forward to playing the tougher teams and actually getting some wins from these teams. Yeah, no doubt. It's one of the the key... 
I would say, aftermaths of yesterday's game. Craig Mish kind of putting it out there and starting a bit of a, a Twitter conversation around the fact that the Marlins this year in the NL have not beaten one team in a series that were above 500 at that point. It's the key bit that they weren't above 500 at that point. People go, hey, we beat the Braves and beat the Phils or we beat the Astros recently. Astros in the AL. When the Phillies and Braves series were taken, neither of those teams are above 500. The Marlins have not won a series against the team in the NL that was sitting above 500. I think that is very telling um, thus far. And it's kind of, it is a narrative. The Marlins need to find a way to win you know, those games and those series, no doubt. However, every win is equal, in my opinion. That's the other thing to call out. That every win is equal. I'd love to see how many teams have swept the, the Nats 4-0 on the road this season. Or even swept them 3-0 on the road. I reckon it doesn't happen as often as maybe you think. So I'm with you, mate. This series for me was just the Marlins executed. They, they got it done. No one cares. You don't have to be playing vintage games, winning 10-0 every game on the road. It's just you don't have to. You just got to go in. You got to do your business. You got to win your games. No Jazz, no Sandy. I mean, that's impressive. Doesn't matter who who's there. And then you've got to look at the lineups that the Marlins are throwing out there, and they still manage to sweep them. And this is the other thing, too, I've got to call out. This isn't post-deadline Nats. This isn't the post-deadline. This isn't the stripped down parts where everyone's gone. Josh Bell's one of the best hitters in the NL right now. Soto's one of the best hitters in the game. Appreciate you missed today's game. He should have rested anyway. Um Nelly Cruz, one of the best hitters all time. They've got pieces than us. They've got, you know, in, in, maybe in theory, more pumped to the lineup than, than the Marlins do. So I'm with you, brother, on this one. I think it's a stunning four-game road sweep at the back end of a two-city road trip. Like, And the way they did it with those big knocks, Jesus Sanchez. I just want to go back to yesterday, mate, because, oh, my days. I mean, the heat was on. Avi Garcia. Let's go the up-up before, because Avi Garcia... Was was the guy who was like the first bit of heat was on two outs, thinking, uh oh, here we go again. Bit of Cardinals vibe. He draws a walk and is absolutely hyped for a walk like you've never seen, which is great to see. Then he goes back and gives Sanchez the full scouting report. I believe Rainey's maybe tipping pitches, his fastball or something with a double toe tap or something. I don't know. I didn't spot it, but listen, I, I was just too busy looking Twitter, probably knowing me. But <laughs> anyway, but then for Jesus Sanchez to then deliver that bomb. In the way he did was just an absolutely stunning, stunning moment. And then for Brian De La Cruz today to back it up with another huge bomb, hit the foul pole, 410 feet or whatever. So some big, big knocks coming up from guys that have not been, you know, they haven't been hitting, you know, they, they've not been on all cylinders, these guys. You can't get away from it. Jesus, he hits big bombs. When he catches them, they go. Brian De La Cruz, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle for him, but. I think it's massive. So you've now had a Jesus Sanchez big moment. You've had a Brian De La Cruz big moment. You've had a Nick Fortes moment. You've had an Avi Garcia moment. All four of these guys all delivering big knocks and big spots. And for me, that's the thing. Collectively, these guys are in their minds going, we're always in it. We've always got the chance to get the, get the big stick out there and do some damage in the ninth. And it's showing out. So I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. What about you? Yeah, I'm thinking you're right. I think the, the thing that we've been talking about all year about this team is obviously the pitching keeps the team in it at all times. There's no there's no real time where the Marlins getting blown out 
of you know the pitching's getting blown up, and that that sort of is you know if you look at the run differential, which is something that we're all sort of still you know hyping on. You know this team, they've got a positive run differential. They're they're a good mm-hmm. team. They just need a bit of luck. That comes from the fact that they just don't give up a lot of runs. They also don't score many runs. But when the team can score runs and the pitching keeps them in it, this is where we are. The pitching's always well, seemingly is always going to be there for them, and it yeah. is about getting that key knock here and there, you know. And sometimes it's going to be late, like it has been recently. But some, you know, hopefully we can, you know, get a couple of runs early, you know, like they could, they had opportunities today, mm-hmm. but they could only get that one run across the board, you know. That the pitching's always going to keep them close. These key hits, and it doesn't need to be, you know, they don't need to score. Eight, nine, ten runs every game to get wins. You know, four, five, six is what's currently winning games for them. And you know, those key hits are coming from guys. Yeah, like you said, that we just weren't expecting from recently. Sanchez has yeah. been a bit cold. Dela Cruz has been a bit cold. Mm. You know, Fortes is you know he's he's a backup catcher, so he's only getting sort of periodic playing time. But yeah, no, this series was was a lot of fun in the sense of you know that those key hits were getting hit. Think there's any connection here that Joey Wendell returns, and next thing is clutch hitting starts to happen. And uh, I mean, Joey Wendell is exactly the type of player. Like these wins, if I could just if I could have a put a game up that describes a player, Joey Wendell didn't even play today. Um, but they're like they feel like Joey Wendell games. You know what I mean? And even today, when he came up and did pinch hit, he didn't start pinch hit. It had been you know a bit of a rough stretch for all the hitters. No one getting any hard contact. Wendell steps up there and absolutely laces one into um, into the outfield. It, it didn't um, come down for a for a hit. It was you know it was a fly out in the end, but or a line out. Sorry, but um, you know professional hitter. But for me, it's these scrappy wins and Joey Wendell rejoining the roster. I feel like there's a connection there somehow. What about you? I mean, he's a, like you said, he's a professional hitter. He's a professional player. Every game that he's in, you either see at bats or you see defensive plays where you're thinking. I feel comfortable. You know, you don't feel like he's ever going to get fooled either at the play or in the field. He is just a complete player. And that's that's partly skill, but that's mostly mentality, I think. Yeah. It is a case of he's a very strong-minded baseball player and, and he's incredibly professional. And, and sometimes that's, you know, that's hyperbole. But I do genuinely think this is, you know, we talked all previous years about Dickerson, and that was, you know, that was what we were told, and that's what we were sold on. Yeah. I don't think we ever quite got that from him, but with Wendell, that's kind of he is delivering on that aspect. Yeah, for sure. There was a nice play as well, um, where you know, big play actually, where it rolled into him, into his glove in second base, and I think he had to transfer it from his glove. It kind of flipped it out of Miggy, and they roll a double play. Boy, oh boy, the double plays this today, the whole of the series. I mean. God, it felt like the Marlins of a few years ago, and there must be just a hallmark of of rebuilding teams just rolling double plays consistently. But yeah, the Nats were really burned by the uh, the double play ball, no doubt. A um, few other things for us to get into, mate, before we wrap up. It's a relatively breezy episode because, as I mentioned, I am blowing. Um, however, uh, final reminder: this episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net, and it's your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. And it's your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Couldn't even read for a second. Bet online, it remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcast news this season. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. They've got everything. 
Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so Wendell's back in the mix. The Marlins have taken a turn. Big hits from big dudes. Bullpen's kind of finding its way together, which is nice to see. Rotation's kind of clicking now. Braxton Garrett, career day. Gustano, not quite as sharp as him, but he's had some real nice ones um, you know, in leading up to that. Feels like things are coming together. Are the Marlins in this? Are they actually in it? Do you feel like they're actually in this wild card hunt? Because I'm going to put it out there right now. I think they are. I do think they are. I think I've previous episodes I've talked about the idea that I'm not quite out yet. And I'm still hopeful. And I still think that this team has had some bad luck. And I think that's where we are. I think we are. So, I mean, they could go and lose the next six straight and then we'll all be, you know, back onto selling mode. But I do think that this team still have the holes that we've talked about for, it feels like forever now. Mm. And I think to a certain degree, the team are almost sort of just those few holes away. And I don't think we're going to see a situation where we're trading multiple pieces and trying to fit together a team with rentals. I do still think that there's a smart way to do this. You don't need to get you know, a two-month rental. There are, there are going to be people out there that are trading that you can get a couple of years of control whether that be a reliever. Do the do the Marlins go massive and trade for a centre fielder piece now, like a Loriano? I, I don't know. But, I mean, it would certainly be interesting. I think we're still a few weeks away, not only from the deadline, obviously, but also from having to make that decision. I yeah. think we, we keep talking about the next series being massive, or the next week being massive. But that's, that's where we are. Each week is getting more and more ramped up and more and more important. And I think... As it stands, a couple of games under five hundred, you know, a, a, a good couple of weeks uh, against tough teams. If we can continue to stay there, or maybe even creep a few games closer to five hundred, and then I start to think that the Marlins could make some moves that are focusing on trying to get to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I said I think it, they could go eighteen and ten in July. I truly believe that, and I, I, I mean, after having a four game. Uh, sweep to get things rolling then i mean they're on they're on pace for that. they're actually on pace for more than that they're on pace for 28 no in july which would really put the cat amongst the pigeons but um you know the met series is big it'd be great to just you know get a get a dub there against and you know we played the mets tough recently as well um we've actually played them tough if you can keep lindor quiet then the marlins have got a chance uh for sure because lindor's just been killing us all year Pete alonso too in parts but you know there's not a huge separation there. It felt like it at times um, in one or two of the games that I think kind of got a little bit lopsided early and then the bullpens were managed effectively. But yeah, I, I'm the Marlins are right back in it. They're two games under 500 in, in, at the 4th of July. I, I can't remember whenever that was, I don't think that's been said since I followed the team, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, we're in uncharted territory, guys, and we should absolutely embrace it. Some other news, though, that's dropping in. Max Meyer made his, um, uh, had a longer stint yesterday anyway. He didn't make his return, but going six innings yesterday in 61 pitches. And uh, it was a funny clip because the the opposing team's broadcast uh, were calling the game and they were disappointed that Max Meyer was was pulled from the game. They were just enjoying watching him so much. Um, Eli spoke about it today. Max Meyer's ready. It's time to get him in the mix. He's at 60, 70, 80 pitches perhaps. But Braxton Garrett delivered a career day there. How do you see them actually playing this Max Meyer situation? Because 
it feels a little bit deja vu, like it did a few months back, where it's like you got to bring Max up, and then they couldn't quite pull the trigger on it. So where's your head at now? Now we're in July, in, in, into July. Sorry, it's interesting because obviously he's still. You know, these aren't quite rehab starts now, but they are essentially rehab starts from the injury. And I saw six innings today, and I thought, right, right he's ready, he's done. Mm-hmm. Let's let's bring him up. And then I sort of once you get into it, and you realize, yes, yeah, sixty-one pitches. Now he was motoring through, and he and obviously he's still too good for that level. He's far yeah. too good. Yeah, yeah. He is ready to pitch at the major leagues, but I would have liked to have seen 70, 75, 80 mm-hmm. pitches in that start. And the fact that they decided to pull him when he was motoring through six at sixty-one pitches tells me that they're not quite ready to extend him that far. So. He needs at least another start, I would say, to get to those 70, 75, 80 pitches. And the way that the Marlins are playing it at the moment, do they give him that in his next start? Maybe not. I think they're probably looking at another two starts. Now, things can occur that will force their hand. Uh, You're right. I think at the moment there's not a need for, you know, a guy in the rotation. I think Castano is probably the one that's going to be the casualty, whether or not that means he goes down or whether that means he moves into the pen as a long man we've you know at the moment the Marlins you know are struggling I, or I think they're going to struggle in the next couple of days with the bullpen just the way that the arms have been used yeah me too and Sandy goes tomorrow could Sandy could Sandy give them all another day off wouldn't that be fantastic yeah I don't think I don't think we can ask or expect him to go nine but seven innings with with a good lead and then you can throw out, you know, one of the one of the lower end guys in the bullpen rather than continue to task what is, in my opinion, a very blown through high leverage bullpen at the moment. You've yeah. got Scott and Bass and O'Kurt who've pitched, obviously not today, but three games in a row pre- prior to that. So mm-hmm. if, if any of them pitch tomorrow, they've still pitched four times in five games. That's yeah. Long. yeah. It is, and so I think at the moment we do need to sort of step back and realise that at the moment we do need to sort of take some care with the bullpen. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm, I, it's the one area of concern I've got heading into this series. Um, the fact that yeah, it's something that's been called out. There isn't any off days now, really, uh, up until the All Star break. So it's full gas um, in a part of the schedule where you're likely to be playing a lot of close games, perhaps against teams that you're going to be leading. Um, and you're going to be leaning on, so it's going to be interesting. Yakabonis has stepped up today. Floro's had a couple of saves, what, on back-to-back get, uh, days there as well. So, you know, there's more guys back there that that are starting to get the kind of trust level. But uh, to your point, though, I do think um, I'm just, I mean, on Max Meyer in general, I'm intrigued to see do the Marlins just get aggressive with it. You know, it's all well and good us sitting there going, well, Dan Castano, he's had a couple of nice starts and whatever. And you go, okay. And, and Braxton Garrett had a really nice start against the Nats on an 11 o'clock uh, 4th of July game where they were swinging and everything. I'd, I'd, I'd be worried that that would cloud the judgment. When we strip it away, Max Meyer should be in the rotation, if, if healthy, above both of those two guys, in my opinion. And Dan Castano, for me, is the perfect guy to flex, flex into that kind of long man spot. I think I think so anyway. I think he could he could do that job well. He seems like he could do any role pretty well, Dan Castano, and he's got that right men- mentality for it. So I could definitely see that happening. It feels like since Poteet's been missing, we've struggled for that role. And actually, we've ended up like the long man spot. The ERA is probably like being ballooned. Because, you know, 
heads being blown up and Nance has been blown up. And, you know, the Marlins do need someone back there for, you know, because, you know, let's be honest, like Trevor Rogers can't seem to get past five innings most times. Um, you know, Max Meyer's not going to have 110, you know, pitch limit if he's up. So he's going to maybe, you know, six max maybe at the major league level. So they're going to need a couple of long guys. So I'm with you on that. I could see a, a nice little Castano shuffle. Um, we'll wait and see if that happens. I'm, I'm in, just very intrigued to see what they do. I was very interested the way they went with Billy Hamilton um, as, as that move. And I get it. It's like, hey, we don't want just a dude sat on the bench. But the thing is, you've got so many guys that are all coming back. You know they're cycling guys. You know they're cycling Wendell. You know they're cycling B.A. You know Miggy's banged up. You know Avi Garcia's banged up. Everyone's banged up. So it's not like you've just got a fully healthy roster and you've got, hey, you're the 13th guy, maybe a defensive replacement, Mag Sierra special. No, you're going to have to play. And that's why it shocked me, the fact they went Billy Hamilton up, no Encarnacion, and then left ourselves today with Jacob Stallings in the DH spot. Like, it just, it felt, I just wasn't on board with that. There's, you know, there must be method to the madness, but I, I didn't fully see it. And I'm not going to end it on that. I can't because they won four games on the road. I can't. There's no negative thoughts here. What what a series win for the fish, no doubt. Look ahead to this Angels series, mate, as well. Because and and uh, good, my good friend Nick is on the show tomorrow, uh, pumping up this this series. So Nick of LA Angels UK is joining me and us on the show to to preview this one. But we've got Sandy going against Thor, giving me 2019 throwbacks. And then we've got uh, Otani going on um, on on Wednesday as well. I think against Trevor, right? So um, no, that's two, two real juicy matchups. The Angels, though, I was looking. They've got their they've got an interim 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 manager going at the moment. I think that's the current role because of suspensions due to that fight the other week. Monte Harrison's in the lineup most days. Um, I mean, the Angels look to be they're in free fall right now. So that you know, it's a winnable series for the Fish, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's crazy to think that when you've got two generational talents in a team mm. that you look at and you, as you're right, they've got a, they've got a manager that is <laughs> at the moment in charge that it has no right to be there at the moment. No. You've got Monte Harrison, a, a starting outfielder for them. That What are the Angels doing? I mean, they are literally wasting the talent of two guys that just don't come around very often. And, and below 500. Worse record than the Marlins, you know it's it's crazy. Now I'm going to really enjoy watching the games. I I watch mostly Marlins. Obviously, I don't watch much else baseball. But every now and then, I do get a tinge of I should be watching Otani more because mm. he's just such a talent. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the Marlins play the Angels. And I think anybody anywhere near Miami should be heading down and watching them live because. These guys really are special. Yeah, no doubt it is. It's a really, you know, Otani is a generational talent, as is Mike Trout, no doubt. And to get Otani pitching, not good for the fish, um, but good for the fans. Let's call it that. Let's just leave it at that, that it is. It's good for the fans to get a look at him. And like you, uh, I realized last season, I, I think I've shared this before on this pod, maybe another one. There was a point last season where I realized I'd never watched an Otani at bat live ever. I don't, I'd never watched one because the West Coast games are so tough to follow. And, you know, I'm just never up at those hours. Um, and the Marlins don't play the Angels very often. So I realized I hadn't watched one and they were playing a UK friendly game. Can't remember who against, but Nick Wright texted me and went, Pete, 
get on the Angels now and watch Otani. I think he hit a home run his first at-bat as well straight after that. So, yeah, let's. Uh, it's going to be a fun, fun series, no doubt. And a big test for the Fish because this, they're in a different spot to the Nats in some ways. They're a, they've got some big superstars and they're scuttling heavily. But earlier on in the year, these boys were absolutely electric. They felt like they could make some noise this year. And, you know, they're men, mentally is the question, have they gone? You know, is that where the Angels are up to now? Have they just is their head shot now, and they're just fully they 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 see this year as a wash. Wait and see, and then in, into uh, the Mets series, which should be fun. Right, that is us out of here um, on a Monday edition. A thirty-minute, relatively breezy for me and Sean. I have plowed through that. I am not feeling good, so I may collapse in a second. But nevertheless, thank you for joining me. Thank you for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. And Sean, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, on a Monday, brother. It seems like it's the the regular spot, the UK goat spot. So. I appreciate it. Um, we'll be back tomorrow, of course, guys. Tuesday episode, Nick Wright joining me from LA Angels UK. In the meantime, enjoy the fireworks. Enjoy the beers. Enjoy whatever else it is you do on the 4th of July. And we'll be back tomorrow.